This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, it's Ashley Hales, host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. I love sitting down every week and chatting with friends and writers and pastors and professors about how do we actually connect the dots between the things that matter and our everyday holy lives. And this conversation today with my friend Michelle DeRussia is no different. We talk about how her habit of five minutes of stillness every day for more than a year has actually completely reshaped and retrained her desires, her friendships, her communication with God and herself. And you'll want to geek out a little bit if you're anything like me, because even five minutes, I know sometimes when we think about, hey, let's start this new habit. And so five minutes of silence sounds great, but then immediately our grocery list and our to-do list rises to the surface. And there's actually a reason in our brains and our neural pathways about why that is. So make sure that you listen in for that. Here's a little bit, though, about my friend, Michelle. She moved to Nebraska in 2001, where she discovered the Great Plains grasshoppers the size of Cornish hens and God. She writes about listening to your soul speak at michelderussia.com, as well as a monthly column for the Lincoln Journal Star. She earned a bachelor's degree in English from the University of Massachusetts and a master's degree in English from the University of Connecticut. She worked as a magazine writer and an editor in New York City, a PR and marketing specialist for Community College and a fundraiser for PBS and NPR before settling down into her career and calling as a writer. So here's why you should listen. If you're longing to connect with God, if you're longing to be present to yourself and people around you, if you're overwhelmed with the frenetic activity of modern life, you'll want to see how five minutes of quiet can actually reshape your life. Stick around. You'll get one small step to help you connect with God and others at the end. Here's my conversation with Michelle. Very excited to welcome my friend Michelle DeRussia today. She's going to chat with us again about the themes of embodied faith. And so, welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. So, Michelle just came out with a book called True You Letting Go of Your False Self to Uncover the Person God Created. And one of the reasons I wanted Michelle to come and chat with us today was because she talks a lot about in her book about the idea of stillness, contemplation, walking. And I would love, Michelle, if you could just tell us what that process was like for you of slowing down in your body and how it connected you to God. Yeah, well, it actually started a little bit as a whim. Um, I have a dog who I walk every day, uh, every afternoon usually, And we tend to go on the same route just because I'm a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And so um, we passed by this park bench on our walking route. And I decided one day I was just going to stop and sit on this park bench for five minutes. It was, like I said, it was just a whim. And I thought, 
I'm going to sit there and I'm not going to take out my phone and I'm not going to do all the things that I usually do when I have a few minutes of spare time, right? Which is yep. scroll and look at Instagram or text with somebody. And I said, I'm just, I'm going to leave my phone in my pocket and see what happens. And it was really interesting because I noticed right away how uncomfortable I was Mm. and really how unable I was to sit in stillness and silence. Mm -hmm. I immediately had this feeling of distraction, almost agitation, like Mm -hmm. restlessness. And, and it was sort of a red flag. You know, I realized in that, in that moment, oh my goodness, I cannot sit for five minutes without entertainment, without distraction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I knew in that moment, this is something that that I need to do for my, not just for my mental and my physical health, but I knew somehow that there was a spiritual element too. Mm-hmm. And so I started to do that every day. Um, I stopped at the same park bench. I sat for five minutes uh, as time went on. And I, and I really was pretty religious about it because I have a triple type A personality. So <laughs> once I- in it. Yeah. yeah. Once I set my mind to something, I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. Yep. And so over, uh, you know, weeks and months, occasionally I sat for longer periods, you know, never more than 20 minutes. It was usually 10 or 15. Um, and it did get easier over time. Mm-hmm. And really what, what I noticed was I was able to sort of get um, in touch with what I call what was in my soul, but what was sort of underneath the surface of my everyday thoughts um, and allowed those subconscious sort of soul thoughts to rise to the surface. Mm. And what have you found in your own life and maybe lives of men and women that you're in contact with that kind of blocks that ability to listen well to our souls or to pay attention to our inner life? Well, I think on the surface, it's the fact that we fill every, almost every moment of our spare time with Mm. Um, either busyness, distraction, checking up items on our to-do list, hustle, um, just getting things done. And then, you know, even when we're supposedly resting, we often have our phones in our hands. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're feeding our brain with these like little sound bites of information and images and noise and mm-hmm. all of that. So that's on the surface. But then I think the deeper part of ourselves are reluctant and maybe sometimes even a little bit afraid Mm. to quiet ourselves and hear what is underneath all that noise. Mm. Um, Because undoubtedly, you know, we are all human. And and so we all carry um, bits of brokenness and pain and um, perhaps grief or sorrow or, you know, just Mm -hmm. hard things. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily want to dig into those hard things, but I think that it's, I do think that it's necessary to do that kind of deep soul work and that kind of excavation almost. It's almost like archaeology, you know, mm-hmm. excavation. What's under there? What, so what did you find after this kind of bodily habit? Um, what did you find underneath? Well, what I found was... I realized that I was using my drive to achieve. So I'm sort of a driven person um, and have always had a a need to succeed and achieve in my life. And um, I don't know if you all have 
ever talked about the Enneagram on this show, but if you have, I'm a three, so that will tell you everything you need to know. That's the achiever performer. Yes. I have a three wing, so I get it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I don't even actually know what my wing is, so I need to sort of look into that a little bit more. Um, But yeah, so... I think I realized that I was using um, busyness, achievement, this drive for success to be recognized even as uh, it sort of had become my identity, Mm -hmm. right? But it was was a false identity. It wasn't Mm -hmm. the identity that God had given me when he created me. So I was using... Um, hustle, busyness, distraction, achievement to hide from um, these deeper questions that were under the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who am I? Who did who did God create me to be? Who am I in God? What is my relationship like with God? Mm-hmm. Um, and and one day in particular, as I was sitting on the park bench, and this was weeks into this little uh, spiritual practice, you know, that I'd start doing every day, I heard this question kind of came out of nowhere. And it was almost like it had just bubbled up from the deepest part of my soul. And it was, why do you have trouble with intimacy? And I was like, what? (laughs) Question? I do not like this question. Yeah. (laughs) You know, nobody wants to hear that question. But and I quickly squashed it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm too busy for, you know, that sort of <laughs> deep thought. Um, but that question wouldn't let me go. And I think it was really, it was really the Holy Spirit sort of grabbing onto me and, mm-hmm. and asking me, you know, what is, what is your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. What is your relationship with the people around you? And are you satisfied with that? Are you content? Mm-hmm. Is that what, is that what God desires for you is that what you desire for yourself. Mm. So yeah, it was a real revelation that led to a lot of soul searching and reflection and just a whole journey led to this book. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I think that's so fascinating too. When you chart like the idea of, you know, you started on a whim, it started in your body. um, And then as you made it a habit that it kind of opened up all of these spiritual questions for you, for you to actually hear God speaking to you that then again connected you with other people. Because that's mm-hmm. one question I would love to, to think more about is um, are our forms of embodied spirituality, for lack of a better word, which is a big, lots of syllables word here, but, um, you know, the, the way that we work out faith in our bodies how can that connect us to other people and not simply be kind of this me and Jesus on the park bench, which is great, but how does it help like move beyond just ourselves? Do you have any thoughts on that or in your own journey? Yeah. And I'm looking, I I jotted a couple of notes down here before we talked today and I'm looking for this quote that relates, I think pretty well. Um, It's from Henry Nowen. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with Henry Nowen? Yeah. I, I love his writing. He was a deep thinker, um, kind of a uh, Catholic teacher, writer. And um, he said, in true community, we are windows constantly offering each other new views on the mystery of God's presence in our lives. And 
I love that because I think while a lot of what I'm talking about so far in our conversation and even in this book is very sort of inward Mm -hmm. looking and a turning inward, ultimately, I think in understand coming to understand your true identity as uh, a child of God as you're walking through that journey, the natural outcome is that you then begin to turn outward into Mm -hmm. community because Mm -hmm. I think what you, what you realize is that once you just uncover your true identity, or at least are on the journey toward uncovering your true identity, you, you want to share that with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in my experience, I so often <laughs> miss God's presence in my in my own daily life, be- really because I'm so busy and mm-hmm. just rushing and distracted. And it's often the people around me, my community, whether that is people I love, my you know my family and my friends, um, my colleagues, but even strangers who can point to. God's presence in mm. my life and help me see God when, mm-hmm. where and when I am missing him. Mm. It's a journey though, right? Where we mm-hmm. are, we can't be, we can't lack self-awareness and expect to be involved well in intimate community, whether that's the church or family or marriage or friendships. Um, so both it's kind of this inward outward dance seems yeah. like. Yeah. 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 I love the Yes. You hit the nail on the head. You said that beautifully. They, they do, they're entwined, they're kind of braided together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one really can exist without the other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they go, they go hand in hand. And so, and for me, when I look back over the last couple of years, two, three years, um, I see where this inward work has manifested itself in new relationships mm-hmm. that I may not have pursued in the past, um, particularly this relationship that my family now has with uh, a family who came, who moved here from Iraq as refugees. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't ever expect that or see that coming. And it has been so fruitful and so beautiful. But I do think that it's somehow connected to (laughs) this Mm -hmm. inward journey, which then allows us to turn outward. And, you know, some of the, some of the barriers that, and and boxes that we've put ourselves into fall away Mm -hmm. as almost a natural result of this, Mm -hmm. this process and this journey. That's great. What would you recommend um, kind of as a first step to some of these sorts of things? You know, for those of us who are success driven or just busy, um, you know, either we're working multiple jobs or busy with young kids or whatever it is that we where we find ourselves and find that we, too, might be a little bit scared about this inward journey. What's a good place to start? I think starting with the five minutes of silence and solitude because it's an accessible amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially this time of year, it's new practices. And, and, and I'm one to say, I'm going to meditate for an hour a day. <laughs> well, that right. lasts for one day. And right. <laughs> too much, you know, you, you, we tend to bite off more than we can chew and it's, um, it, it's not accessible. So five right. minutes, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in a 
on a park bench, you know, for me, I connect with God, I think, most easily when I'm outdoors. Mm -hmm. So that was a natural place for me to spend Mm -hmm. five minutes in reflection. But I've said to other people, it can be in your car, driving Mm -hmm. to work, turn off the radio, turn off your podcast. No offense. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But, you know, um, when you're exercising, you know, you, so I'm a runner, but, and so most, you, most often I listen to a podcast when I'm running, but Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, try running without anything in your ears, without your earbuds in, just Mm -hmm. in quiet and silence and, and see what happens. You Mm know, Mm -hmm. we do have these pockets of time, um, where we don't have to automatically pick up our phone and fill it. So right. start with five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Mm, yeah. And retraining. I'd love for you to speak to on the idea of retraining some of these habits because, you know, I, you, whether it's like a new diet or a new spiritual practice or um, whatever it is, you know, that we're either trying to give up or to take on, where have you kind of found yourself? What does that process look like? The idea of creating new habits? Well, I loved part about writing this book was the research element of it because mm-hmm. I got to geek out a little bit yeah. in brain science, which for a writer and, you know, I was an English major, so I'm not naturally science oriented, but I do, I do love it. And so what I learned is there are, well, probably more than two, but I know there are at least two networks in the brain, this task positive network, and then the default mode network. And the task positive network is sort of the action mode when we're doing all the things and getting the checking off all the things on our to-do list and mm-hmm. making all the big decisions. And then the default mode is when our brain is um, in a reflective mode or mm-hmm. um, contemplative or even sleeping. When mm-hmm. you're sleeping, your brain is in the default mode. But the problem is in our society, most of us have trained our brains to operate except for when we're sleeping. Hmm. all the time in the task positive network. Hmm. And so what happens is our brain literally forgets how to rest, Hmm. forgets how to rest. That's why when we're not used to spending time, even five minutes in reflection, we get that feeling of agitation and Mm -hmm. restlessness, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump right out of my seat here because I don't know what to do with myself. That's because we have... So we have tread so thoroughly on that neural pathway, that task mm. positive neural pathway that our default mode network is out of practice. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's the brain science, which right. I totally love. It's, I, I think it's fascinating. I know, I know. I totally <laughs> geek out over it. I love it. The trick is with practice, habit, consistency, persistence, we can retrain or reform new neural pathways in our brain. Or we can put a little more emphasis on the default mode network, a little less on the task positive network. Mm-hmm. So that's why in, in, in the back of the book, I have an, a little appendix. And I think it's, I can't remember if it's 10 or 12 steps for how to establish a a daily practice of what I call directed rest or intentional rest. Mm. And so a lot of it is just start off by doing it every day for five minutes for three weeks straight. Cause they say mm-hmm. that 21 days is kind right. of a magic number for establishing a new habit to mm-hmm. replace mm-hmm. an old bad habit, you know? 
And, you know, there even something as simple as practicing your five minutes of intentional rest in the same place mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like a trigger for your brain. You right. sit down at the park bench or you sit down in the mm-hmm. comfortable chair in your living room in the quiet of the morning and your brain Mm-hmm. kind of lights up like right. oh yeah right so it this seems it seems like there has to be like a, a particular time either like a time limit or time of day right to create a habit it seems like a yes. particular place so we can't simply think our way to new <laughs> you know yeah. to, to new insight or um, connection with God I think that's kind of the lie that a lot of us grew up believing right is that we can kind of think our way out of things or into relationship. Um, And so I'm just fascinated to hear the ways that you've seen how it's been repetitive and bodily Mm -hmm. and consistent. um, That's really kind of opened up things for you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just a super practical, concrete person. So it really, if I'm going to establish a new rhythm or a new practice in my life, it has to be, I have to uh, support it with a foundation of practical, concrete steps or, you know, I can have the best intentions in the world and that's just not going to do me any good unless I have a scaffolding of um, support. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, keeping it simple. That's another thing that I, that I included, um, with this list of tips in the back of the book. So, you know, I think we sometimes think, Oh, well, okay. I want to create this, this perfect atmosphere for my, (laughs) for my reflective time, you know, and I'm going to light the candle and I'm going to have the beautiful music playing and I have to be, you know, whatever, wearing certain clothes or, and you know, by the time you do all of that, get all of that stuff ready, it's like, Oh my gosh, now who has time for that? Right. Who has time to do all of that? Um, preparation, you know, so keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Is, I think another mm-hmm. just practical step for mm-hmm. um, making it more likely for you to stick with this practice, mm-hmm. the less complicated yeah. it is. Yeah. And so what has been kind of the greatest gift for you in this kind of spiritual discipline of, of creating habits of, you know, this bodily listening, this connecting with God, What's what's been maybe both the gift of it and maybe the fear of it, you know, as, as, as all of us are trying to think, okay, what do I want to start Like, how can I actually connect the dots between, you know, who God is, who God says I am and my actual lived experience. And so we're like, okay, I can try, I can try five minutes a day. So Mm -hmm. on the other side of that journey, what would you say has kind of been your greatest gift and what has been maybe the greatest challenge or fear in that process? For me, the greatest gift has been an increased awareness of God's actual real presence in Mm. my life. So, and what I mean by that is I am more able to notice um, my surroundings and and be more present to the people that I love and the people that I'm with. So for example, what's interesting is sitting in the same spot at virtually the same time every day for about a year outside has really attuned me to the change of seasons. Mm -hmm. And what I notice, I mean, 
you'd be amazed at what you can see in terms of changes and differences in the exact same spot day after day after day, right? It's never exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You might notice a new bird or a new um, pattern on the bark of the tree next to you or, you know, whatever. Like I said, I'm very connected to nature. And so that has just been a very palpable reminder of God's presence in creation, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just, um, I don't know, just closing my eyes and listening to the the birds or feeling the warm Mm -hmm. summer breeze on my face. It just makes me aware and um, able to be in God's presence. Mm, mm. So it sounds like it's kind of retraining some of that noticing that spills over into other parts of your life and other parts yeah. of your day. I think and that's what, true. And what is the challenge or what's been maybe scary about the process? Well, the challenge is it's not all a walk through the park, so to speak. <laughs> Even if it literally is. <laughs> no pun intended, right. really. But yeah, um, for me, and I think this is probably a natural response, it's sort of led me into somewhat of a wilderness experience, like a dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of raising questions and even doubts from, right. from time to time, you know, mm-hmm. about... Um, where I am in my relationship with God and um, just some hard questions Mm -hmm. um, ultimately led me even into some actual counseling, Mm -hmm. which I did not see that coming, you know, and, and at first I thought, oh, maybe I should. And, you know, I'd had a counselor for a long time or not super long time, but it was years ago and, and I hadn't been for a long time. And then just digging into some of these questions and Mm. um, uncomfortable, you know, memories and just Mm -hmm. everything. I thought, maybe I should kind of have a tune up and go back and see my counselor. But that was hard because I didn't really want to, you know, because I knew, well, that's going to be just more unpacking of difficult baggage. But I mean, I ultimately did. And so, you know, now I'm, I'm seeing her again every other week and it's been good. It's just, you know, it's hard, but it's good. And I think it helps us grow in ourselves with others and ultimately in our relationship with God. Mm. Oh, that's great. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? No, it doesn't no. Mean it's easy. Right. <laughs> and I think, like yeah. you said, we deaden all of that with technology, with Netflix, with our to-do list, with, you know, being productive yeah. and, um, but to see like that there is deep inner work that needs to happen so that we can actually be connected with God and other people is mm-hmm. ultimately encouraging and gives us yeah. a little bit of hope for the journey. Like all you got to do is start small with a few minutes. Start small. Yeah. Start small. I was just doing a reading yesterday at a local bookstore and, and I said the same thing. You know what? Start with five minutes. Don't start with 45 minutes. Right. Don't start even with 20 minutes. Start with five minutes because right. that is doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, you would not think it could have a lasting impact, but I think it's the consecutive mm-hmm. consistent nature of it every day for five right. minutes. Right. Try yeah. that for even a month. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the very mm-hmm. least you will be just a little less frenzied, mm-hmm. a little less distracted. I mean, those are all good 
benefit, you know, those are benefits, even if it's not a tremendous spiritual experience, or even if you don't have an epiphany in the first few weeks, which you probably won't. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I practiced this um, directed rest in, in short increments for a year, pretty much every day. And it took weeks before I was able to sort of push below mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. upper level of distraction. Cause mm-hmm. your, your brain is going to start bouncing all over the place. <laughs> that is totally normal, right? right? Have you ever done meditation? Have you ever right. tried yeah. meditating? Yeah. Yeah. You start like, I need to, my grocery list is going in my <sighs> head and yeah. To do list. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing. That's what's going to happen. And yeah. it's okay. You just say, okay, right. I'm, I'm on my grocery list, but I'm going to bring it back to right. the breeze or the trees or just quiet, whatever. Just mm-hmm. keep bringing yourself back, bringing yep. yourself back. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think that's important just to hear, hey, this is real. This is normal. It's okay. Keep with it. Start small. Those are great. Yeah. Tips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, and I always like to end each episode by asking about my guest's laundry routine. So, Michelle, what's your laundry routine? <laughs> well, I do have a routine because I am triple type A. Right. So I'm like, she's going to have one. I know it. I'm going to have a routine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a twice a week laundry doer. So I do my laundry usually on Wednesdays and usually um a day on the weekend. I try not to do it on Sunday, but sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's Saturday. Uh, so yeah, I just, so my oldest son, I have a 17 year old. He does his own laundry. Ooh, which, well done. And he, I know he's been doing his own laundry since middle school because this is so funny, but he didn't want to wear his pajamas more than one time in a right. row. Right. And I was like, yeah, no, I am yeah. not washing your pajamas every single day. That is ridiculous. <laughs> you can wear your pajamas more than once in, <clears throat> in a row. So yeah. he, he, I said, or you can do your own laundry. So he does his own laundry. Nice. And then I do, um, I do everybody else's laundry Wednesdays and on the weekend. And um, usually, you know, I'm pretty good keeping it going. And then I fold it on the same day and I mm-hmm. put it away. So I'm not I'm, I'm not the kind of um, person that leaves the <clears throat> laundry basket in the bedroom with the folded clothes in it. Well That's, done. Yeah. So I you're really good process. with your habits of laundry and learning guess, the habits of the soul, habit. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love it. Well, you can teach me something because, yeah, my husband does our laundry, so Ooh. it works out that way. Yes. I like the sound of that. that yeah. I do the kids' laundry, which is put it all in the hamper and then they throw it in their drawers. You know, I figure maybe when they're 17, like your son, they'll have it figured out. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always hope. There's always right, hope. Train right. them up young, right? <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Michelle. I'm super excited just to, we'll get all the information in the show notes at aahales.com slash podcast, as well as where people can connect with you and purchase your book. So we're super excited just to try five minutes of directed rest. Thank you for your encouragement Thanks. to try and have it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's been fun and I'm glad to connect with you again. And I appreciate being here. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michelle. I loved hearing about 
one, she has an amazing laundry routine, but also that as she's been consistent in giving herself those walks and those five minutes of quiet, that she's actually, it's uncovered a lot of painful stuff. And yet God has been present to her. And I want to just mention, I know when we think about all of these new practices, it can get really exciting to get wrapped up into them. But the point isn't just about being silent or even paying attention to nature, though those are good things. But ultimately, we need to know ourselves well enough to know what we each need to do to pay attention to how we connect with God. You see, for Michelle, she needs that quiet, that stasis in her body to be able to get away from her own drivenness. And if you listened to last week, we were talking with Daryl Dash and he too, in his drive to work hard and get things done, needed to simply stop. So you might not need the exact same thing as Michelle and Daryl to connect with God and others, but maybe it would be a great small step and a great starting place. So let's try something small, just like Michelle. And maybe five minutes feels like a lot. So start just with two. Put an alarm on your phone for two minutes and practice two minutes of silence. You might even have to lock yourself in a bathroom, but it's worth it. But before you begin, give your time of quiet to God. Ask Him to focus your mind and return your attention and affections to God Himself in your moments of directed rest. I would love to hear how this works out for you if you're brave enough to go into quiet spaces of yourself so that ultimately that quiet will not only connect you with God, but connect you with other people and ultimately to his church and to our world. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being brave enough to connect those dots between the things that matter and your everyday holy life. I can't wait to continue our conversations together. Make sure you get all the information at aahales.com slash podcast so you can read Michelle's book, True You. And we'll see you next time because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.